Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, I'm Owen Jones and this is the Cheerful Lection Daily. If you don't know who I am, I'm that guy who looks a little bit like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. He looks like he's accidentally wandered on television looking gormless and saying mildly incoherent things about politics, uh, which is also the theme of this particular podcast. Now, team, brace yourself because there were three weeks left, 21 days until the big day. The general election will all be voting that day and will be determining the future of this country. So no pressure. Uh, but it is, it is the, it's not the final lap. This is, I think, when the election comes into its own. And uh, there's a lot that's going to happen. But I'm going to start by ranting, just for a change, because a few things have annoyed me uh, uh, in, in the last 24 hours. I'm going to start with Prince Andrew. Now, I, you know, when people say the establishment never suffered justice, it's one rule for them, it's one rule for everybody else. No, 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 he's finally suffered. He's finally, he's finally, uh, justice has been served. I mean, wouldn't you consider it a whopping big punishment uh, if you had to spend the rest of your life, consider this, dear listener, the rest of your life living in total luxury, wanting for no material things, all on the taxpayer's pound, uh, uh, with no responsibilities in exchange? Because that is literally Prince Andrew's punishment. He's now retired uh, for the foreseeable future, uh, from from public life, I mean, I just, I, I, uh, I, I'm just trying to articulate uh, the 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 sense of, uh, it's, I mean, the number of people whose lives are ruined in this country for often just mild misdemeanours, local black kids in Hackney who get caught with a bit of skunk in their pocket, and you get this royal, this mate of a prolific paedophile. And he does this TV interview with no sense, no sense whatsoever of of compassion towards the victims of Epstein, the prolific, disgusting paedophile. I just, I just don't know. I mean, this is the. I mean, Boris Johnson in the leaders' debate said the monarchy was beyond reproach during this huge scandal, and it, it is a reminder. It is a reminder of if you live in huge privilege. You're part of powerful networks. Pretty much get away with anything, can't you? Can't you? I mean, it brings me again. I mean, more shamelessness. There's there's lots of shamelessness uh, for us to feast upon. George Osborne. Now, George Osborne. Ah, oh, what a great guy. Oh no, honestly, no, 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 no. I'm not being sarcastic. No, no. He's just launched the Evening Standards Christmas homelessness campaign. Oh, he's going to be livid when he finds out who was Chancellor of the Exchequer from 2010 onwards. I mean, he's going. to... I mean. He's, when he finds out why rough sleeping has increased by 165% since 2010, he's going to be really furious about the person who, who implemented the bedroom tax, who slashed housing benefit, who introduced the benefit cap, who whipped up hatred against benefit claimants, whose policies led to families being 
driven from their homes into bed and breakfast or just kicked out their communities altogether. I mean, that was, of course, George Osborne, wasn't it? I mean, the, the way that people like him, like George Osborne, can just rehabilitate themselves, they inflict all this misery, this human carnage. We are supposed to be cheerful. I am going to be cheerful, by the way. I just, I just needed to vent. And I, I feel I am abusing my position here, basically using you for therapeutic purposes. I'm going to give you another example. This is actually some optimism. Uh, I was out last night in Harrow East. Oh, it was cold. It was dark. But we were fired up. People there. There was 150 people knocking on doors. Uh, Bob Blackman, uh, his, uh, his majority massively decreased at the last general election. Now, Bob Blackman's a guy who shared uh, propaganda by the far-right criminal Toby Robinson. He shared anti-Muslim posts. Uh, he's... Uh, he, he's he's shared a platform with someone who's praised the genocide of the Rohingya in 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 Burma. Uh, he he's he's called for the reintroduction of Section Twenty Eight, which prohibited discussing LGBTQ issues in schools. Uh, I didn't grow up being educated by LGBT about LGBTQ issues as a closeted gay uh, guy because of Section Twenty Eight, which he wants to reintroduce. You do look at that and think, yeah, that's what we're up against. These are the people. You do need to be reminded sometimes, don't you? You need to be fired up slightly. I mean, it should be about hope and optimism, obviously, about what sort of society can be built in a very wealthy nation with all the resources and talent to overcome everything uh, that we face in terms of all those problems that scar define our society. But my word, you do need a reminder of what some of these people are like. To quote from that famous Mitchell and Webb scene, are we the baddies? Now, yesterday saw a manifesto launch. It was by the Lib Dems. I'm going to start, I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to praise one policy. This is my praise one Lib Dem policy uh, moment, which is the legalisation of cannabis. It is absurd. The war on drugs is a failure where uh, uh, basically drugs are left in the hands of criminal gangs who engage in all sorts of other criminal activity to to sustain that industry, uh, where we have impure drugs on the market as a consequence, where entire countries have been destabilised because of these criminal gangs because they've been given a monopoly over these drugs. Um, so I would have to smoke quite a lot of weed to vote for the Lib Dems, though, uh, for a few reasons. Firstly, uh, I would argue that without the Lib Dem Tory government uh, and the cuts and the austerity, a lot of human misery uh, wouldn't have been wouldn't have happened. But also, the turmoil we're in wouldn't have happened either. But I looked at some of their policies. I mean, they're talking about produ- providing tenants' loans for private renters so they can afford deposits, deposits which are often just swallowed up by private landlords. So you're going to end up, what, with, with tenants paying interest on loans which for deposits which get swallowed up by landlords and the most spurious reasons? I, I just think this is an example of missing the point, which is we've got a rip-off, unregulated private rented sector where uh, tenants are basically just subsidising the mortgages of private landlords rather than uh, being given a decent home of their own. Um, but it is more more generally... I mean, how to put this without... I mean, I know some might be Liberal Democrats listening to this, but it, it is true that the Tory strategy still depends on people voting for, Tor- for the Lib Dems in Tory Labour marginals. And I looked, you know, Bob Blackman in, in, in Harrow East, it, it, there, was, there were people there flirting, that, were they going to vote Lib, Lib Dem or Labour? And if they vote Lib Dem in that constituency, he's going to win again. And then hard Brexit will happen. And a really terrible MP will stay in place. 
we are running out of time. Um, the Tories, uh, Boris Johnson seems to have accidentally let slip what was going to be the big centrepiece of his of the Tory manifesto. Now, this is this is a classic kind of Tory con policy, which is so. What the Tories are suggesting is they're going to raise the threshold at which people pay national insurance to twelve and a half thousand pounds. Uh, though he's clarified that would be the ultimate ambition, so they'd only raise it by a grand. Now you look and think, what's wrong with that? Whinging little lefty can't even support a nice policy giving low-paid workers more money. This is a really regressive policy in so many ways because what happened in the last government is they raised the tax threshold. And again, you think that's a great idea. The problem is what it does is lots of low-paid workers don't benefit at all. They get nothing. Uh, The lowest-paid workers get very, very little extra. Uh, At the same time, their in-work benefits have been cut, so their living standards are slashed overall anyway. But richer people, because the threshold has gone up, they get even more money, which they don't need. And that's the same with this national insurance. It's uh, If you raise it, it means better off people are going to get extra money. They don't need that money. Uh, whilst lower paid people will get very little at the same time when they've suffered this squeeze in wages, which is unprecedented since we were at war with Napoleon, which was quite a long time ago, incidentally. And at the same time when, again, universal credit or cuts to in-work benefits, this isn't in any sense a solution to that crisis. It costs a huge amount of money. So it's estimated all of this would cost billions and billions of pounds. So that would mean cutting back or not investing in lots of services that low-paid people benefit from. Obviously, what we really need to do is reverse social security cuts and have a genuine living wage and tax the rich and the well-off to invest in these public services. The Tory press will hail this and say, well, hey, it's cut tax, not for the rich, it's cut tax for low-paid workers. It is the biggest con, the biggest con imaginable. Uh, but it is worth looking out for because that is going to be their big, big centrepiece policy, which Boris Johnson uh, uh, inadvertently blabbered out at a meeting of uh, workers in the northeast yesterday. Now, another policy which is coming out, which Labour have announced, is the biggest council house building programme for decades. I am a bit of a housing geek. I am obsessed with the idea of a mass council house building programme because, you know, I cycle around London a lot on my little bike quite nippy at the moment uh, but I'm hardcore I'm getting through it and you I cycle past these luxury flats where all the windows are dark because no one lives there whilst one in four young people grow up in an overcrowded home and you know you get this entire generation they can't, they're not getting council housing it's not there you know you're stuck in a waiting list for years if you want that home ownership's collapsed back to 1980s level but for younger people it's just you know if you don't have parental support in places like London you can think again and instead, they're driven into a private rented sector with rip-off rents, with lack of security where they've been kicked out. And what? so Labour's talking about uh, this mass council house building programme um, with at least uh, 150,000 new council and social homes a year within five years. So that would be the biggest council house building programme since World War Two. And after World War Two, it was Nye Bevan, he created the NHS, but housing was seen as so important to health that it was part of the health ministry. And Nye Bevan, he looked at council housing as something that would support mixed communities. He said he wanted to recreate the lovely feature of the English and the Welsh village, where the butcher and the doctor would live next door to one another. And, uh, you know, and it was built to be of a better standard than private housing. 
And that's the, that's the ambition, that's the dream we have to restore. That council housing isn't just reserved for the poorest, where you basically, uh, you know, it's just the kind of where those who are most in need are all concentrated together and often abandoned by society, but where people from lots of different backgrounds live together in really good quality homes, where people aren't just shelling out money to private landlords. And, you know, you could think about, you know, this would be green housing, properly insulated, it'd be state-of-the-art, you know, this could be, this could, this is the sort of, the policy that I think should be centre stage. Because, you know, overcrowding damages people's health and education and potential. Um, it, if it's built, it stimulates construction and it stimulates the economy. It brings down housing benefit. We spend billions of pounds a year, nine billion quid or so a year, lining the pockets of private landlords instead of building housing. Um, and it would bring down low-paid uh, jobs, which are topped up by tax credits. So it's good for the taxpayer. It's good for the economy. It's good for communities. It's good for families. This is what we need. Now, we are nearly out of time, not just this podcast, but three weeks, three weeks left. Now... On Tuesday the 26th, so five days away, is that right? Have I got that right? It is five days, five days, five days. That is the cutoff moment for being able to register to vote. It is interesting, by the way, the figures so far, because 1.36 million people under the age of 35 have registered to vote in the first few weeks of the campaign, the election. That's twice as many as the equivalent time in 2017. And 2 million people overall, nearly twice as many as 2017, are registered at this point as well. So actually, it's interesting because some of the polling depends on young people not turning out to vote. But actually, there's been quite... If if those figures are anything to go by, then maybe, just maybe, young people who are often written off, will they be involved, who played a a key role in the last election, maybe they are going to come out. And that should worry the Tories, but Labour can't be complacent because if they can't turn young people out to vote, they're finished. It's not going to happen. So their big, big, uh, absolute key to their success is before Tuesday to get everyone registered. So basically tell everyone, your mates, your flatmates, people at bus stops, your ex-lovers, if they're still talking to you, some of mine are, to get everyone you know to register. But Labour have to speak to those younger voters, the housing crisis, childcare, the young families, uh, whether it be um, uh, student debt, education, all of these things, or the climate emergency, which young people are so passionate about and showing so much leadership on. But that is absolutely critical now because that registration deadline is fast approaching. And if Labour can't get younger people out, and this is what the polling shows, the polling shows that if... Uh, those pollsters which say young people are least likely to vote are the worst for Labour, which is kind of an obvious truism, but it does go to show this is what Labour now have to do. Now, it's been a long day, so I'm sorry I'm not I'm not as chirpy as always. It's been a knackering day. I've been up to Manchester uh, for the, the post-leaders debate discussion. Uh, I missed my train back, had to go to Harrow East. I'm now in the, the, the bosom of the BBC. I'm about to talk about the largely Tory supporting press uh, front pages. But I'm going to be back tomorrow to discuss the Labour manifesto. This is a biggie. And I'm going to talk to, I think, someone quite, some, some interesting people about it. But this is, for Labour, a big, big moment. Uh, their manifesto last time was the turning point. So the question is, can Labour get their domestic policies front and centre? They were very popular last time to turn the dial 
and get people excited. We're about to find out. Now, thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please do leave a rating, leave some stars. I will be back chirpier and less exhausted tomorrow. But thank you for listening in. And I will speak to you. I will speak to you then. Election Daily is produced by the cheerful team, including Jeff Lloyd, Emma Corsham, Joe Kenyon and Joel Pearce, with music from Pete Frazier. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.